Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again. Today, I want to address a topic. Uh, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I'm pretty fired up. Uh, it's, today's topic is, um, it, it's, it's infuriating to me at times because I'm watching as children are being harmed and I am not okay with it. I have never been okay with children being harmed, and I never will be okay with children being harmed. Uh, and let me outline this for you. This this has come about today in particular because of a perfect storm, I'll call it. The world has sent me messages today, and, and so I'm going to address them today. Uh, so if I if I sound a little frustrated, a little irritated, uh, understand that it's 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 the passion that's in me for our children to be safe, to grow up, to have healthy decision making processes in place, um, to be the people that they are supposed to be. I want them to be strong, and in as as much as we can, we just got to get out of the way and not damage them too early, because that's. That's what's happening. We are damaging our children and we are doing it from the top down. And that's a problem. That's, that's not the design. The design is our, our families are supposed to raise our children. And what's happening is our, our culture in America is saying that, you know, the families can't handle it. They can't do it correctly. So who's going to do it? The professionals are going to do it. And th- that is just... Um, unacceptable, to be honest. It's, it's frankly, it's just unacceptable. And so if, you know, if this, if this message frustrates you, thank you, like do something with it. I don't care if you agree or disagree with me. That's not what I'm going for. What I'm going for is making sure we are taking into consideration what is actually best for our children. So this morning, as I was uh, driving into the office, uh, I, I heard this message and uh, ha- had to look it up, had to do a little of my own research because I honestly, I just didn't believe it, to be honest. Um, and it looks like, for all intents and purposes, it is true. And this is the message. The message was that in New Jersey, they will begin to teach gender identity content to first graders beginning next year. That is infuriating. It's absolutely maddening. And I'll tell you why that's infuriating. I'm a mental health professional. All right. If I'm, if I'm irritated from, from, from that perspective, I'm going to back it up the best that I can. The fire that grew inside of me is because I was thinking that that is not good. That can't be good. First graders, you're talking about six-year-olds. I mean, on the old side, they might be seven, but most of them are going to be six. There might be a few five-year-olds straggled about in there. That doesn't make sense to me. So I went ahead and I I slowed down and I, I thought about it. And everything for me came back to this. If we're talking about five and six-year-olds, we're talking about pre-operational. 
What does that mean? <clears throat> Jean Piaget, he put together some really good information for us many, many years ago. This isn't new information by any stretch of the imagination. This is not new. What it basically says is <clears throat> critical thinking and manipulation begins. Between two years and seven years old, that's what they're doing. They're beginning critical thinking and manipulation. Manipulation of what? Manipulation of their environment. You're talking about crayons and paper. Crayons and flipping paper. We're not talking about gender identity. We're not talking about sexuality. We're talking about crayons and paper. And we want to teach them gender identity content? Okay, so slow down. All right. This is also a stage where they begin to interact with the world but schemas in their brain require self-centered perspectives. It's all about me. It's all about me. Imagine teaching a five-year-old, a six-year-old who is completely self-centered already because that's where they are in their stages about things like, and I, I had to look this up, so I apologize if this is sensitive content for some of you out there, but they're talking about teaching them about masturbation in New Jersey at five and six and seven years old. You teach somebody selfish, something about their sexuality like that, and it becomes completely distorted. They have no other means to understand it. Okay. Centration is paramount, means the focus is on one, as, one aspect of any situation. One. So you'll teach them all this content about gender identity and they will zoom in on one selfish aspect that allows them to manipulate their world. There's no way that could be bad, right? <laughs> Excuse me, world, we have to wake up. I am so infuriated by this. That's ages two to seven. Okay, so they're on the upper end of that. So the question might be, well, what's the next stage? Again, these are not concrete but they're pretty good gauges of psychologically, we know this is developmental psychology. You could go do the research yourself. So the next stage, I was taking a look at it, concrete operational stage. All right. So six to 12 years old is typically what they say. It's a, it's a rough estimate. They realize the necessity of certain causal relationships. Certain ones typically ones that provide selfish outcomes that get them things that they want. That's what's going to fall in there. Right and wrong are restricted to what is real and observable. Real and observable. In other words, we're going to teach them gender identity before they have any abstract thinking. Any. They just don't even have the ability to think abstractly that gender can fall on a, a, a continuum. It's not 
you know, all males are this and all females are this, but we're going to teach them about gender identity before they have the ability to think abstractly. There is no way that this could not be harmful. It like, I cannot believe a district would put this thing through. There's just, they, they must not be talking to any reasonable trained psychologist, sociologist. Like they, they just can't be, there's just no way that they could be doing that because it's not reasonable. Now you might be asking, okay, then when, when do we teach them? I'll tell you exactly when. When abstract thinking begins is the beginning of the ability for them to understand. Well, at the earlier stages, that's around 11. You know, you might see some 10-year-olds in that category, but not too many. You know, 11, 12, 13, some as late as 15 before they begin to develop abstract thinking. So why does all of this matter? All of this matters because what we are asking professionals, that's what they're, they're claiming to be, to teach our children. And we're going to establish what we call in the profession an engram. That the, these children, an engram is an initial memory. That's really all it means. An initial memory at, at which we can scaffold from that gender it is, is fluid, that gender doesn't have to be concrete. We're going to establish that engram before they have any ability to understand abstractly. What that means, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be very clear what that means. From a mental health standpoint, that means we are going to brainwash the children. Oh, well, then the question's going to be, uh, aren't we already brainwashing them? Um, it's possible. It's possible. Like, look at, look at some of the things that we're doing. There is some brainwashing that goes on. It needs to come from the family. My argument is that it needs to come from the family. If the family has decided on a certain established foundation, then the family needs to be the one who establishes that engram. So what we're going to end up with is a race, a race to establish a sexual engram, because let's be real, the gender identity conversation in our culture primarily goes toward the sexual orientation, which is also an injustice to anybody with gender identity issues of any kind, because it is not just about sexual orientation. I've worked with people who have gender identity issues. It is not just about sexual orientation. And we are going to race to make sure that our engram is established first. In other words, we're going to over-sexualize our children. We're going to do it before the age of six, let's say, because that's first grade. And if I, if I were in New Jersey... I, well, one, I would definitely strongly consider pulling my children out of school if they were in school. But secondarily, if I wasn't going to pull them out, I would know that I have to teach them about sex and sexual identity and sexual orientation before they are six. I'd have to. 
or I have to believe that the school is going to do it correctly, which there's no way based on what I've been reading that that's going to happen because they cannot fathom it yet. You're going to set the engram before the child actually can understand anything abstract. Okay. I'm going to take a breath for a second. Going on to the next point. I went from that this morning to later on in the afternoon, I attended a a behavioral health collaborative meeting that I I attend uh, on occasion. I live in a small town. And in that meeting, uh, there was a guest speaker. The guest speaker was from uh, United Way. And they were talking about all the good things that they're trying to do. And I was actually pretty excited. I, I, I like to hear about how the state or the federal government is doing certain things to try to help ease the, the burden that is going on with our, our current system, which we're dealing with lots of inflation. So they were talking about childcare, early education, stuff like that. One, I, I started to grow a little bit weary because as they were going, they were talking about all these early education things and the evidence right now is not suggesting that early education, early being like pre-kindergarten, is actually showing the outcomes over the last 20 to 30 years that we would expect. We would expect it to close some, you know, some economic gaps. We would expect it to uh, put... Um, children of, uh, you know, of, of poverty into college. Uh, it's, it's actually not showing that. Um, it's, it's actually showing the opposite. Uh, if you look at the data, the data is suggesting that uh, it is um, not beneficial. And actually, people who do not have their children attend pre-K will more likely have college-bound or academically successful individuals. That set aside, um, there was a lot of good things that I was hearing. I'm like, okay, they're going to help with uh, daycare costs. They're going to help with this. They're going to help with that. And, And it was all good stuff. And I was actually growing pretty excited at first. And then they talked about the criteria, the data that they were required by federal grants to collect in order to issue checks. And one of the things that they said they were required to collect was gender identity data for children between the ages of 5 and 13. Uh, That silent sound was my jaw dropping again, just saying it out loud. Are you for real? Look, I those there are people out there, you know me. My my heart is for anybody who is hurting. I don't care if you're hurting because you have a mental health disorder or because you have a gender identity issue. Um you you have been ashamed of your sexual orientation. Like whatever it is, my heart is for those people. And to hear this 
that they are collecting data in order to issue checks on gender identity from children between the ages of five and 13. Let me tell you how that translates into my small community. As a mental health professional in, in this little community that I live in, I can probably say anywhere from 50 to 70, and this is a guess, like this is not, like I haven't done the research, but 50 to 75% of the clients that I would see would, would, would literally turn down the money because they think that that would be an intrusive uh, question. Like, I don't want to answer. Now, my hope is, and I, I didn't see the actual questionnaire that they provide, but my hope would be they would allow for them to decline to answer. But if they didn't, I would literally have people in need turning down need, turning down the checks because the intrusive questions. That's frustrating in a small town where the need is pretty high. The other frustration that came out of that was where the help is going. I live in a small town, but nearby there's a bigger town. And in that bigger town, they're getting over 80% of all of the aid that's slotted for this rural part that I live in. So... They live in the city. I mean, it's not a big city. It's a city of, I don't know, maybe there's like 100,000 or something like that in the, in, the, in the area that's receiving 80%. But that means my town and all of the towns, uh, the five counties around me are getting less than 20%. And that frustration put me over the top. Because I think about this aid being needed and then these questions being asked and then the, I don't know how many times people are being denied because they refuse to ask a question or answer a question. Like, I don't know this stuff, but I know in a small town like this, that it just doesn't work for us. And so the problem is I want to serve clients. I want to get them to the help that they need. And sometimes that's money and support for things like childcare and stuff like that. But how am I going to do that when they won't provide the help without responding to questions like that, like gender identity between the ages of five and 13? Honestly, like how many of you out there in the world thought about it before you were 10? Uh, most of you, probably not at all. That's just going to be a reality. Like 90 plus percent. Because developmentally, we weren't there. We were not there yet. Okay? Now, there are going to be exceptions to that. And those exceptions out there, you're welcome to be as loud as you want to be and make as much noise as you want to make. But the majority of us were not there. And that is reality. That is not crap that I'm making up in my mind. That is truth. So teaching it before the age of 10, 11, 12 is just absurd. Withholding help before that age for things like that 
would also be absurd. Over-the-top absurd. No family should ever have to answer that question until their children are old enough to think abstractly and answer it themselves. Well, that's not until at least 11. We'll go with that's that's a safe bet. I would suggest we we would set the bar at uh, probably thirteen, right? Because what I've seen is that we're already over sexualizing children anyway. So keeping that out of uh, you know the the public school system, keeping that out of you know the public uh, welfare system would be would be brilliant. Would be helpful. It would help people like me settle down. Look, I know I spoke with a lot of force today. I'm not doing that to irritate anybody. Unless you're out to hurt children. In which case, I hope you're irritated. Because hurting children should never be done on purpose. And these kinds of things are hurting our children. My hope is... You can stand up with people like me and make sure the children are kept safe. We have to protect our children. And if that means we have to protect them from teachers, get them out of the schools. If that means we have to protect them from the politicians, get them out of anything that the politicians can touch. The truth is, this government, this creation of the United States was always designed for the individual to be the lead. You, you have a voice, use it. I have a voice, I'm using it. We are supposed to go and tell these people when they are doing it wrong. And this is absolutely wrong. Thank you for joining me. And with that, I'm gonna let you guys go.